Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I want to talk to you um, this evening on the topic of feeling lost, feeling lost. And really, if, when we're in that place of feeling lost, how do we re-find home? How do we recenter ourselves in feeling like I, I, I'm home? And you know, I was thinking about this concept of feeling lost. And I think anyone who's lived any kind of life, any length of life, you've experienced the sense of feeling lost at some point. You know? And maybe that can be lost. You can feel lost due to a marriage breakdown or perhaps to an unexpected sickness. Or you can feel lost in losing your job. I remember my dad, he'd worked you know, for many years uh, through his career. And then as he was near the age of retirement, a few years early, he lost his job unexpectedly. And it really rocked him. And he kind of was thinking he, he couldn't na- navigate and locate himself in that season because he'd kind of put so much identity in what he did. You can be lost in wondering, hey, what am I called to do with my life? You know, what am I called to do? What career should I be pursuing? You know, you can feel lost for sure in a cycle of addiction or in a behaviour that you just can't seem to break. You know, I think we can also be lost even in the monotony of everyday life. You know, sometimes we just go, hey, I just get up, I get the kids up, I get them to school, I get to work, I come home, I put the washing out, you know, I just live this monotonous kind of life. We can even feel lost in that. And certainly... If we've been someone who's suffered trauma or abuse, we can absolutely have times when we feel lost in that. So I think all of us at times have this sense of being lost. But I think more than that, deep within the human psyche or kind of human consciousness is this, this, this longing to find home, that, that we sense that there's the, some way we've got lost, you know, and we're looking for this, this place where I can say, hey, this is home. This is where I belong. You know, and my, me and my sister, when we grew up, it, through our teen years, we lived in a house uh, probably for, I don't know, around about 10 or 12 years, something like that. And, um, and, and when my mum my told us she was still in the house, even though we didn't have all good memories of that house, there was, there was plenty of not great memories. But actually, when she told us she was selling it, we both were like, no, we were kind of like upset that she's going to say and she was really surprised you know she was like wow you know she was shocked by it but I think really what that was about was it spoke to us about something to do with home even if maybe it wasn't perfect well it certainly wasn't perfect and even if there was some things there that were very harmful the reality was there was a sense of security that we found in it a sense of security so there's this it seems that there's longing in humanity to find home in fact I googled finding home uh, and looked at movies, and tw- there was 20 movies all called Finding Home, you know, and and many other movies. That's their theme. I was, I was watching a movie recently with my kids called Wall-E. It's about this robot that gets kind of sh- left on Earth when the whole of Earth leaves because the planet's kind of broken, and uh, Wall-E's left on his own, and it's this Wall-E's trying to find his way home. And so there's so many movies, books that really speak to this condition. But really when you think about it, when you think about what makes a place home, I don't think it's a building or a location. I think it's, it's authentic relationship. 
actually when we think about home with really I'm talking about that deep authentic sense of I'm understood I'm accepted just as I am you know I, I love hearing Pastor Jeff and Sue talk about the home should be a soft place to land you know any, any of us who are parents home should be a place where our kids come out of the hecticness of the world and they can just sigh a, a sigh of relief oh, I'm home in a safe place you know I think that, that uh, that's really what home is it's a place of authentic and real relationship where I'm seen and I see. I'm known and I know. And the Bible explains that the reason within the human condition there is this longing for home, the Bible explains it very clearly, that it's because humanity originally lived in perfect harmony with God. Adam and Eve created in perfect harmony with God, lived in harmony with God, lived in harmony with one another, lived in harmony with the whole of nation and creation. It talks about how Adam and Eve named all the species of animals and plants. And so, so Adam and Eve had lived in this world where there was perfect harmony relationally between them, God, between them and each other, humans, but also throughout all of creation. But the Bible says that Adam and Eve made a decision to rebel against God. And that fractured that relationship. And it's caused from that point on for humanity to be looking for home. To be looking for home. And Jesus tells three stories that speak to this. This lostness of humanity and this need to find home in God. And the first story he tells in chapter 15 of the book of Luke, it's four to seven, the verses. It's titled The Lost Sheep. And it says this. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? And when found, you can be sure you would put it across your shoulders rejoicing. And when you got home, call in your friends and neighbours saying, celebrate with me. I've found my lost sheep. Count on it. There is more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescued life than over 99 good people in no need of rescue. Now, the lost sheep really is the story of being lost through distraction, lost through distraction. You know, I, 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 if you talk to a shepherd and you ask a shepherd, hey, how do sheep get lost? They'll tell you sheep nibble their way to lostness. They see a clump of grass, they eat it. They see another clump of grass, they eat it. They see another clump of grass, they eat it. So they look around, and they don't know where they are. They've lost the flock, you know. And so there's this, this sense of distraction. You know, sheep aren't the smartest animals, right, in the world. And so sheep, sheep don't plan, I'm going to get out of here, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to, you know, no, no, it's, it's, it's a distraction. They get distracted. And sometimes we can get lost in the same way. We can be distracted. Maybe we're distracted by life, work, eat, sleep, houses, cars, holidays, friendships, marriage, kids, I know, socials, news streams, Netflix. You know, we can get so distracted by life that we never ask the big questions. We never ask, hey, where am I going? Hey, where did I come from? What's all this about? Is there a plan and purpose for my life? What's the real meaning of life? Sometimes we're so distracted by the busyness of life that we never stop to ask the big and important questions. Is there a God? Could I know God? Does God have a plan for me? I certainly can identify with that at times in my life where I was distracted and not really ever considering the big questions. And so Jesus is saying that we can be lost by distraction. The second story Jesus tells is the story of the lost coin, and it's in Luke 15, 8 to 10, it says this. Well, suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. 
Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The story of the lost coin really is a story of being lost through carelessness. Lost through carelessness. It speaks of someone who's not really considering how they're living. You know that saying, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, you know? Or, or he always hangs around with the wrong kind of people. You know, it's, it's speaking to someone who's careless. It's talking about someone who doesn't really value who they are, doesn't really understand the worth that they have in God, and so is reckless with how they spend their life and their time, not really giving value or dignity to who they am. And I definitely know for me, part of, you know, so my story is I was a heroin addict and a cracker can addict before I became a Christian. And when I think about how I got to that place, part of it was through this, it was through carelessness. I never considered who I was around, who I spent time with. I would just float through life and end up in places, you know, and think, oh, how did I get here? You know, it was, I would not think about it. I would get just, I would just be swept along, whoever I was with. And I often found myself, you know, in, in places that weren't beneficial to me, with people who were not going to edify my life, you know. And yet, I, when I look back, I think a lot of that was carelessness. You know, I didn't have a value for myself. I didn't, I didn't take care of myself. And it caused me to get very lost. So I think we can definitely get lost through carelessness. You know, I remember... In, the, in my church in the UK, there was a guy and he was a doctor. And always training to be a doctor. He was a, he'd done medical school and he was in a placement at the local hospital and he was doing his last few years before he was going to be uh, a GP. And, um, but this guy was reckless, really reckless. And we spoke to him many times and said, hey, you are, you're past the edge. You're not on the edge, you're over the edge, you know. And I remember one time me and him, we went out and we did mountain boarding, which is kind of like skateboarding but with big rubber wheels. And where we lived in Dorset in the UK, it was like these rolling hills, so it was perfect for this mountain boarding. And so we went mountain boarding one day and we were going down a hill, he was egging me on and we were going too fast. We both crashed. We came off. I really bruised my ribs, but he split his lip. Well, he went to his car, got some super glue and super glued his lip up. And I said to him, mate, this is, this is not how you do it. You know, you're the doctor, right? And I'm telling you, you don't use super glue. Oh, it's pretty much the same thing. He says, what we use at hospital, it's all good, it's all good. So this, he was always reckless, you know. And I'm into the point where we would say to him, hey, look, well, I'm really concerned for you. I'm really concerned for you. And then he sometime later went on a holiday to New Zealand and uh, he, he jumped off some cliffs into some water and he didn't come up. He didn't come up and he lost his life, you know. And when he lost his life, I remember I was at his funeral. I was thinking, oh, this is such a shame. This guy had such a bright future. And, you know, he was a doc. He was going to be a doctor and all these good things. But you know what? I wasn't surprised when I was at his funeral. I wasn't surprised because he lived recklessly. Even though he was a smart person, he didn't value himself. He didn't actually look after himself well. So he was careless with his life. We can be lost through carelessness. Finally, Jesus tells a story. The third story he tells is the story of the lost son. It's a story that really resonates with me because I became a Christian after hearing this story, or certainly I began the journey to becoming a Christian after hearing this story. I was in a, a mental hospital in the UK, and a chaplain came in, and he read this story out the Bible, the story of the lost son. I'm not going to read the whole passage of Scripture because it's, it's long, but I'm going to paraphrase it for you. 
And so the story of the lost son goes like this. A son goes to his father and says, hey, dad, I want my inheritance now. Now, the reality is when he's saying that to his dad, really what he's saying is, I don't want you, I just want what you can give. So give me my inheritance and I'll go live my life, please. In a sense, he's almost saying, I wish you dead. You know? And so the dad says to him, okay. And he sells some of his property and he gives his son his share. And it says the son leaves and he goes off and he spends all of his money in wild living. Now you can put in between the brackets wild living. You can define what that means. But basically he goes off and he squanders all of his money. And it says that he gets to a place where really he's at the end of himself. And it says that he's feeding pigs and he longs to eat what the pigs are eating. And he thinks to himself, I'm in such a bad place here. I would be, my father's servants are in a much better place than I am right now. I may as well go home to my father and say to my father, hey, make me a servant. I don't want to go back and ask him to reinstate me as a son because of what I've done. But I'm going to ask him to, if I can be a servant. So he makes his way home. And the Bible says that as he's on his way home, the father is already looking out for the son. There's this sense that the father's longing for the return of the son. And the son, it says in the story, prepares a speech for his dad, which goes something like, hey, I'm sorry for what I've done. Would you please forgive me? Hey, don't make me a son. Just make me a servant. I'd be better to be a servant in your house than the way I'm living. So he prepares his speech and the Bible says that as the son's a long way off, the father sees him, the, the father comes running to the son. Now in the context and the time, you've got to understand it was undignified for the father to run, inappropriate for the father to run. But such was the father's love for the son that he was willing to shame himself to basically be united with his son. He runs to the son, it says he throws his arms around him. The son goes to tell the story, goes to make the apology before he even has an opportunity to. The father says, hey, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. And the father begins to restore to him everything that he's wasted and all that he's lost. And the father then says, hey, let's celebrate and throw a big party. So just like in the other scriptures, how it talks about heaven rejoicing, in this scripture it talks about the father rejoicing. And it's this beautiful picture that no matter how far we go from God, we can always come home to a loving father. And that's so important because I think for many people who feel distant from God, and certainly I, I felt like this. I, you, they, they feel like, oh, I can't come near God because I'm not kind of good enough or God's going to judge me. I'm going to feel worse. And in fact, if you speak to some people who are in a real mess in their life, and you say, hey, do you want to come to church? They think, man, I'll feel worse if I go into church. They don't understand there's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness just waiting for them. In fact, it says the father's looking out for the son. He's eagerly hoping the son will return. And so I want to encourage us that through all of these stories, there's this beautiful picture of a loving, gracious, merciful God who's just waiting for us to make a revelation. Hey, I'm lost. I'm going to come home to my father. So in this story, the story of the lost son, it's, it's really it's a story of being lost through conscious choice conscious choice it's i'm not following the rules i'm doing it my way i'm not going to live by societal societal norms or values i'm going to live according to my way 
You know, it's that rebelling spirit. It's that, hey, I'm going to do it my way. You know, it's, it's the, hey, I'm an atheist, which is an insane arm saying, I'm not open to any concept of God. That's what I used to call myself before I became a Christian, an atheist. However, whenever I was in a police cell or outside a principal's office, I'd be praying like crazy. You know, it's, it's not, I think when it comes down, push comes to shove, there's not too many atheists. They say in the trenches of war, there's no atheists anymore. You know, it's, it's interesting, hey. But, but, you know, saying I'm an atheist, maybe that's a sense of saying, I won't accept even the concept that there could be a God. We can get lost through our conscious choice. It's, it's so interesting. That, that I was reading this, this, this um, explanation that talks about when you're navigating your way, you know, how, how a... Um, a navigator would use a compass, you know, a compass. If you're an explorer or something, you know, you'll use a compass to navigate your way. And it's very interesting that, that when you're navigating your way with a compass, you need to be careful that your compass is on true north. Because what can happen is you can be on true north with a compass or you can be on what's called magnetic north. Magnetic north is if you're near one of the polar caps or if you're, you're near a mountain range or something else that has a magnetic pull. What it does is it puts off the needle of your compass only by about a half a degree, but it puts it off. So what that means is you think you're heading towards north, but you're not. You're heading towards magnetic north. And it's, but it's only about half a degree. So you think at first it would make hardly any difference. But over a long period of time, it makes a massive difference. A massive difference. Friend, that's exactly what it's like. If we're following God and we're pointing at true north, we know we're going to be with God. We know we're on God's purpose and plan. But if we're on magnetic north, we're just half a degree off. It doesn't look that different. But the destination will be completely different. The end result will be completely and utterly different. Although right here and now, they don't seem that different. God wants us to be able to navigate well in life. God wants to walk with us and guide us and help us. You and I weren't created to do this life on our own. We're meant to do it in relationship with God, guided by God, led by God, God really being the compass for our life. And so God's calling all of us home. He's calling all of us home. He's saying, hey, come into relationship with me. Hey, let me walk with you. Let me lead you in your day-to-day life. I'm talking about the God of relationship here. I'm talking about a distant God or a religious God. I'm talking about a personal God, a God who you can have a relationship with. You can sense he's guiding you and speaking to you in your day-to-day life. The Bible talks about a loving father. Maybe that picture is helpful. But that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. That's the relationship I'm talking about when I talk about home. And this concept of true north or magnetic north, there's many different faiths, there's many different philosophies that will promise you, hey, if you do it this way, you're going to find life. You know, here's seven steps to an incredible life. Or practice this philosophy and you'll find life. Or this religion is the way to life. There's many, many claims across our planet from all different places that are saying, hey, I'm going to show you the way to life. I love what Jesus says. Jesus says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I love it. He puts in between the way and life the truth, you know. And he, and I, and he doesn't say, I'm going to show you the way. I'm going to show you the truth. I'm going to show you the life. He says, no, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So I want to encourage you. We need to put all of our faith, all of our trust in the person of Jesus. Then we're trying to navigate true north, truth, ultimate truth. Then we need to put our faith and our trust in the person who says, I am truth.
I am truth. I love it. How outrageous. Imagine if you met someone and said, I am the truth. You know, <laughs> people don't speak like that. No, they don't, unless they're God. <laughs> unless they're God, you know. And so I want to encourage you. There is a, there's something in between the life and the truth. It's called the, tr- sorry, the life and the way. And it's called the truth. No one else in history has made such a claim. You know what's so beautiful about this concept of coming home to God is that Jesus left his home in heaven with his Father to come to earth to bring us home. I love this. I love this. Here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, hey, if you're good enough, you can make your way home to God. You know, so many faiths and religions are about doing things to get to God. But this says, no, 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 God's coming to you. God's leaving the comfort of heaven to come to a broken earth, to reach out to humanity, to say, how I'm going to pull you up out of your lostness. I'm going to pull you up out of brokenness. What do we do? Nothing but receive the gift. Nothing but receive the gift. The grace of God's going to carry us. You know, you know I think about it. I put my faith, my trust in Jesus when I prayed the prayer about 23 years ago, broken down, heron at the end of the road, prayed a very simple prayer. Ask God to come into my life. And God began to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. You know, good job God didn't ask me of anything. I had nothing to give. You know, all I did was surrender myself and say, hey, God, I've had a go at living life my way. It has not worked. God, would you take the lead? And the grace of God came into my life and did for me what I cannot do for myself. And you know what? The grace of God is still doing for me what I cannot do for myself. I need the grace of God as much today as I do the day I came to Jesus. I might have looked a bit more broken then, but I was no more broken than I am now. I need God as much now as I did then. And the reality is all that's happened to me in my life is a result of the grace and the mercy and the love of God drawing me and leading me. Hey, And so I want to encourage you. God loves you. He's for you. Make a decision today. If you haven't ever prayed a prayer, asking God to come into your life, why don't you make today the day? that you pray that prayer. You know, I love it that we're never too far from God. In Luke 15, verse 4, it says this, Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one. Wouldn't you leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the lost one until you found it? There's a sense in here that God's not looking for the people who are doing okay. He's looking for the ones that are lost. You know, I love it. So, you know, he's not looking for Christians. He's looking for people who don't yet know him. You know, now, of course... He cares for Christians, right? I hope so. But the reality is God's focus is upon, hey, who's struggling? Hey, who's lost? You know, he'll leave the 99 in order to pursue the one. He's looking for us. He's inviting us to come home. Are you going to let him find you is my question. Are you going to let him find you, you know? God came looking for me and I was in a position where I was ready to say, hey, God, I'm ready to be found, you know? God loves us, he's for us, he's pursuing us, but we need to make a decision to say, hey God, I'm willing to be found by you. You know, I'm willing to follow you. I'm willing now to try it your way. Now God is looking to have a relationship with us. He's looking for us to have a relationship with him. And now God's God's personal. God's personal. He says he looks for the one. You know, he's looking, he's looking for someone to have a relationship with to have an interaction with. He wants to be part of our daily lives. He wants to guide us in our everyday life. And just finally, I love how God wants to lift you up. God wants to lift you up. 
talks in this story of the lost sheep, how he, when he finds it, he puts the sheep on his shoulders and he carries the sheep home. You know, God wants to lift you up when you're in your most vulnerable and when you're in your most broken and when you're in a place where you can't carry yourself by your own strength, the grace of God wants to carry you upon his shoulders. You know, when you don't have the strength to do it, God's going to carry you. You know, when you're at the end of yourself, God's right there to carry you. I love that. There's this kind of cheesy kind of um, uh, picture you see it sometimes in people's houses. It's like the footsteps and there's footsteps on the beach and then they kind of, you know, there's two pairs of footsteps. You're walking with God. Then there's only one set of footsteps and there's two again. And, you know, the caption is, goes something like, where were you, God, in my time of need? You know, there's only one set of footsteps. And they said, no, that's because I was carrying you at that season and that section. It's cheesy, but it's so good. It's so good. It's so true. There's going to be times where you're walking side by side with God. There's other times where you just need God to carry you. You know, I love that. This is the kind of God I'm talking about. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have all the answers. The grace and the mercy of God is going to lift you up. It's going to carry you, going to help you if you let him. If you let him. If you make a decision, hey, God, I surrender to you. Hey, God, carry me right now. Lord, lead me right now, you know. How do we allow God to carry us? How do we allow God to carry us? You know, in worship, we lift our hands. We lift our hands. You know, lifting your hands like that also means surrender. It's the international sign of surrender is to lift up both your hands. And it's no, I don't think it's any coincidence that when we worship, we're lifting both hands. You know, we're saying, hey, God, I surrender to you. Hey, God, would you carry me? Would you lift me up? It's this posture. It's also like a child. You know, if your child wants to be picked up, they put their hands out to you. Two arms lift up. And you know, well, that's the signal. They want me to pick them up. You know, when we lift our hands, I believe we're saying to God, hey, God, would you carry me, Dad? Would you carry me? You know, that's the position that we should be taking is a position of, hey, God, would you carry me? Hey, God, would you receive me? God, I open up my life to you. I open up my life to you. You know, the worst part of being lost or the most dangerous part of being lost is when you don't know you're lost. You don't know you're lost. There's this condition called night blindness. And what happens is that pilots can suffer this condition when the weather changes suddenly and they can't see the land and they can't see any um, landmarks or they can't see the ocean below them or they can't see the ground below them. So they're not sure which is the sky and which is the ground. It all merges into one. And they call this condition night blindness. And what can happen is that a person could be so disorientated that you think you're pulling up, but actually you're pushing down. So you're hurtling to the ground, but you sense that you're pulling up. And in such a time, what a pilot has to do, an experienced pilot will know, I can't trust my feelings. I cannot trust right now what, I, what I'm seeing. What I have to do is I have to trust my instruments. And the instruments will tell the pilot the altitude. They'll tell, there'll be a compass that will be telling them the direction. And they'll need to navigate on the instruments instead of their own feelings. And it's so true in life that we need to make a decision. Hey, Jesus, would you guide me? Would you be my compass? When my feelings are screaming one thing, God, your word's telling me another thing. God, when, when I'm feeling, I'm just, I'm just not unsure here. I'm lost. God, you're going to guide me home. Your instruments are going to guide me and bring me to a place of peace and contentment and joy. I want to encourage you. God loves you and he's for you. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. 
If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.